You are now listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Doc, sharing insights through real, honest, and practical ways to improve your communication and relationships. Featuring your hosts, Dr. Pamela Kreiser, Meredith Edwards, and Taylor Polendo. Today, we will be talking about negative communication that takes the form of bickering. I know you've seen it. Perhaps you've engaged in it. It takes many forms, including corrections, insults, criticism. In this podcast, we'll identify what bickering is and discuss strategies for reducing our participation in bickering patterns. Meet the Bickersons. In the late 1940s, there was a radio show called The Bickersons. It was a comedy sketch about a married couple, John and Blanche Bickerson. And it won't surprise you to learn that all the Bickersons did was bicker. The show was so popular on radio, selling over 30 million copies, that it turned into a television show. The titles of the episodes were things like The Honeymoon is Over, The Fatal Anniversary Present, Stomach Pains, and if you were transported back to the 1940s, you would hear something like this in one of their popular episodes. This one's from The Honeymoon is Over. The episode starts with the alarm clock going off. And John says, what's the matter? All right, all right, Blanche, Blanche. And he knocks the alarm clock off the table. Blanche says, I'm putting a ribbon in my hair. Where are you going, says John. I'm not going anywhere, says Blanche. I just thought I'd like to look nice this morning. Why, says John. I knew you'd forget, says Blanche. You don't even know what day this is. John says, I do too, it's rent day. And Blanche says, it's not. Today happens to be our wedding anniversary. And John says, well, I knew it was a sad occasion of some kind. Blanche says, what kind of a remark is that? Is that supposed to be funny? And John says, no, it isn't supposed to be funny, Blanche. I'm just groggy, that's all, I'm sorry. And Blanche says, I knew you'd forget it. John said, I didn't forget it. Blanche says, so why didn't you say something? Blanche says, John, I just opened my eyes. You forgot it, says Blanche. And then John says, I tell you, I didn't forget it. But even if I did, you'd remind me of it. So happy anniversary. And Blanche says, happy anniversary? Is that all? Well, you get the idea. It was a show devoted to making fun of partners who get caught up in useless communication called bickering. And it was very popular. In fact, Larry King once said, The Bickersons is the funniest show ever in the history of radio and television. So what is bickering? Well, bickering ranges by definition and degree. Some define it as arguing about petty or trivial matters, while others say it means petty and petulant quarreling, especially when it's prolonged or habitual. One source called bickering to argue about things that are not important. Historically, bickering is described in ways we might find even humorous. In 1748, the historical definition for bickering was making a noisy, repeated clatter. Indeed, it might sound like clatter to the outside observer. Most of us have seen people bicker, and to be honest, I've definitely engaged in the practice of bickering. But when you break it down, it does seem like a stupid practice because it uniquely focuses on what is petty, trivial, and unimportant. So why do people bicker? We could debate the origins of bickering, Some people would defend themselves, saying they bicker for good reason, justifying their bickering behavior as doing something for the other person's own good. Others might reclassify their bickering behavior as merely a suggestion, as a way to minimize their responsibility in the bickering pattern. I suspect we also probably bicker for varying levels of control. And if we have a relationship partner who is equally desiring high levels of control, the bickering's on. Let's talk about research related to bickering. Research suggests that bickering and other forms of cross-complaining is more likely to occur in a distressed couple than in a non-distressed couple. 
According to Gottman, cross-complaining is when one complaint is answered with another complaint, unrelated to the first complaint. This could sound like, I don't like where you put your briefcase, answered with, I don't like where you park your car. Or, I'm mad at you because you didn't do the dishes, answered with, you make it sound like I never do the dishes. In all of these examples, we see nothing ever gets solved. So if bickering doesn't get us anywhere, is it really that big of a deal? Isn't it harmless banter? Well, the research suggests that it can be a big deal. Let's review some of the studies to help us understand the impact. In 2018, Allred and Chambliss studied family communication. Specifically, they explored criticisms from family relatives. By measuring perceptions of criticism and the degrees of upsetness people had, they found that when criticisms were perceived as constructive, individuals reported getting less upset. Alternatively, when individuals perceived the criticism as negative, then those criticisms were perceived as destructive and more upsetting. The researchers also found that warmth played a role. Greater warmth was positively associated with constructive criticism and becoming less upset. So basically, this study suggests that in families, when we're warmer to our relatives, our criticism is seen as more constructive than when we're colder. In another family study, Gottman measured adrenaline levels in children before and after they were exposed to their parents fighting. He found significantly higher levels of adrenaline in children after they were exposed to their parents fighting. Think about it. The children were merely observing the negative exchange, not participating in it. Some scholars suggest that bickering and other forms of relationship stress can directly affect the body. In a study conducted by the Glasser team, they examined the question about whether marital conflict had a significant effect on health. Specifically, they conducted an experiment where both partners were subject to the blistering technique. Using a dermatology tool, they would use this suctioning device to create approximately eight small blisters on the forearms of each of the individuals. Then the couples participated in two different experimental conditions. In the first condition, the couples underwent the blistering technique and then were asked to talk with each other for a half an hour based on a list of suggested supportive topics. On a different day, couples participated in a second experimental condition. Again, they underwent the blistering technique and then were instructed to talk to each other for a half an hour, but this time they had a list of topics that were designed to create tension and conflict. Well, the results of this experiment were profound. On average, the blistering wounds took a full day longer to heal after the couples were in the negative arguing condition. But there's more. For couples that engaged in hostile bickering, the blister wounds took approximately two days longer to heal. As you listen to this podcast, you may be wondering what you can do about bickering. Or maybe you're asking for a friend. What strategies could you recommend for your friend to combat bickering? To start off our conversation, I would recommend three possible strategies. One is to start listening to your own speech. Start thinking about what your speech does. How does it function? Watch your tone, since the research suggests that our degree of warmth is related to how upset our recipient gets. Make your speech warmer, since it says it affects the outcome. Second, cut your cross-complaints in half. It's unrealistic to say that we're going to cut off our complaining and bickering entirely. It's more realistic to work to reduce our negative behavior by half. The third strategy is to determine your conversational goals. Do some introspection thinking about your conversational goals. What would happen if you didn't speak up about why you want your partner to turn at the stop sign and go in the direction you want? Evaluate if it really matters. Think about your conversational goal. Is your goal to control the other person? To be seen as smarter than the other person? And if your goal isn't to do those things, think about cleaning up your speech. Identify your relational goal 
and match your conversational goals to the relational goals. Well, we have lots to talk about, so let's do it, ladies. Okay. Okay, who does it? Yeah, let's see. I guess <laughs> if you could see me right now, you would see my hand raised, sadly. <laughs> Uh, I would like to not say that I am a bicker. I would like to say that I am a recovering bicker, <laughs> which seems like a more positive spin on the same problem of dwelling on things that are unimportant. And as I say to my students, I know you're disappointed to hear this admission, but this is an area that I have engaged in. I actually wrote down some examples of some things that I may or may not have said to my friend. I thought, what are the unimportant things that we might bicker about? Which route to take in the car? <laughs> so I might start that off by saying, why are you going this way? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I'm proud of that, but it would be met with what way? Aren't all the ways to the restaurant the same? No, <laughs> that's the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That might start us off. Perhaps which parking space to select? I might start that one with, there's a better spot up closer. I might share that recommendation. <laughs> that might be met with, what's wrong with this one? Well, it's not the best one or the good one. And then there might be bickering from there. Another popular one would be how to load the dishwasher. Oh. <laughs> also very unimportant. Might begin with, these don't go on the top rack. And then perhaps an unimportant discussion about what should be where in an effective loading of a dishwasher. And then finally, I conclude with how to hang a towel. So that might start with the conclusion. I'm not sure why you hang your towel this way. Um, so those are some unimportant things that I have bickered about. Now there is good news. And the good news is that they actually are all unimportant. So while they have lots of flaws, one of the things that I'm happy about as I examine bickering is that they don't reveal underlying causes, which of course is something we should talk about on this episode. I like it. So how about you, Mare? All right. I'm so upset that you brought up about a way to get somewhere. My uh, perspective on this topic, experiencing this in life, whether it be relationships of my own, other people just I know in life. My parents, like every parent out there, did this, but I really don't like that you brought up how to get somewhere because there is an on-ramp to get to my parents' house and the left one is for the carpool lane. There is no light there. The right one, there's a light. Mm. And for some god-awful reason, Tommy always forgets what we're carpool. And so he goes for the light and it takes us, what, five seconds longer? <laughs> and every time I'm like, you're in the wrong lane. Get in the left lane. But it doesn't really matter. So you, you've been suggesting to him some different ways to... Yes. <laughs> I, you know, I'm just trying to help us get there. It's better. It's a better option. <laughs> it is useless that I suggest the left lane because it doesn't matter. Anyway, to circle that back, I'm really honing in on the cross-complaining here mm -hmm. uh, as a, a witnesser of cross-complaining and then trying to navigate that now in my own adult life and relationships, whether that be, again, things I've seen, witnessed, or relationships I've been in before. Mm -hmm. And just seeing how much it really gets you absolutely nowhere. And exactly what you mentioned earlier, that there is something underlining behind it, I feel most of the time. 
Yeah, that's a big part of the literature. They say it's actually not as bad if it doesn't have a deep meaning behind it. Mm -hmm. If it has a deep meaning, it's a little more concerning. You might have an underlying issue between, say you have two parents and they're engaging with each other after they maybe are already exhausted. And one might say, gee, I haven't had a vacation at all this year. And the other partner says, I never get a day off. Well, don't talk to me about this. Well, I'm the victim because I never get a day off either. So I don't know why you're talking to me about it. <laughs> the interesting part is if that is underlying a level of exhaustion or a lack of intimacy between the partners or something more concerning, I think it is a problem. Hmm. But I also think there's bickering that's just stupid. Yeah. That maybe doesn't have an underlying problem. And I would say that hopefully mine was more stupid than it was underlying. Yeah, I fall in that category for sure. I just want things done my way sometimes, but it doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> well, I do think that some of us, and I think Meredith, you and I might be on the same team on this one. We can reclassify it as I was just trying to be helpful. <laughs> oh yeah, I can do that. And that <laughs> is a really nice spin on something where that could also be called, I am just correcting you. My sad hand is raised now too. <laughs> in solidarity with you. Taylor, what are your thoughts about this? I have lots of questions. What is cross complaints? I don't know what that is. It's where somebody complains and then you answer with an, another unrelated complaint. And if you look at the bickering structure, a lot of times they aren't aligned. How you were saying, I'm complaining that I don't get a vacation. Well, I never get a day off. Well, I never, and it's just trying to top each other. Yeah. Yeah, they don't actually move in a positive direction, but they can be as far away as the Gottman example, which was, I don't like where you parked your car. I don't like where you put your briefcase. Hmm. You see the forward movement towards anything that's constructive is not there. Okay. I'm complaining, then you're going to complain. And I think bickering has some really similar qualities to that. It's a reciprocal engagement that does nothing. That makes sense. Well, I thought I was not a bickerer. But now listening to both of you makes me question everything. Tell us your secrets. <laughs> what I hear you saying is you're, you're trying to live life optimally by saving your brakes, Meredith, and not stopping at the light. So you go in the <laughs> carpool lane. Exactly. We should just get married. <laughs> <laughs> That's the main goal of my life is to find optimal living. My husband's really into biohacking. Like we're trying to find the best way to do things. I love to learn new ways to do something I've done every single day. So I'm very open to receiving those things, but I often give my opinion in a better way to do something. Mm. And I challenge the fact that it's a control issue because I think if there's a better way to do something, I would want to know that. Remember, it's a pattern. It depends on what happens next. Yeah, Ralph doesn't bicker with me. He just says, oh, okay, thanks for telling me. I don't think we really bicker. The examples you're saying come out of my mouth a lot, but we don't like argue about it unless he finds a different, better way. And then, or he'll explain, well, this is actually why I do it because I've tried it your way and this is what happens. Hmm. I think we're both similar in that fact. So you would be willing to bicker, but he just doesn't play. I'm not really interested in useless arguing. Mm -hmm. It comes down to like a truth thing in my head. We're trying to find the truth, trying to find the best way to do something. So what about where there is no best way? Well, I feel like that's a matter of opinion, like loading the dishwasher. <laughs> Plastic goes on top so that you don't ruin it. Glass goes on the bottom. How about like the forks go up? Some people put them down. I'm like, that's gross. The dirty water goes down that way. Put the fork up. Duh. 
Yeah, because food can get stuck in the bottom and then you pull oh out a dirty God. fork. Yeah, but some people say, but then after it's clean, then you got to grab the handle versus grabbing the top of it, right? Or you just reach your fingers in and okay. grab the handle. We need to digress on this. <laughs> um. I do. I get really stuck on this, I guess. One of the articles that I read in working on this podcast was about the question of whether you have the right way or a good enough way. Yeah. In the on-ramp situation, is there a good enough way to do the on-ramp that is in either lane? Yeah, it literally doesn't matter. Same result. Some of the articles say if there's a good enough, there's probably no reason to be speaking. No, it's true. I bite my tongue every time I go on the (laughs) on-ramp. So then same thing with how the towel is hung up. It's hung up. Is it good enough? Yeah. Yeah. Can I wrap a little bit back to now being like somebody that's seen this as a younger person in the world? Mm -hmm. You use the word warmth versus, you know, obviously bickering isn't a warm, isn't even a warm word. No. In preparing for this, it made me create sort of like a puzzle for myself because I look back at dating relationships I've had or the way I was in them or the things I chose to pick my battles over, if you will. Mm -hmm. And it's like I misplaced chaos for passion. So now that I have a relationship where there's so much less of this bickering thing or this back and forth, it almost makes me like have to pause and go, no, that that type of peace is actually a good thing. Like the, the chaos and the bickering, just because it felt normal, isn't a passion thing. It's not, it's like misplaced. When you were witnessing instances of this, you perceived it more as like heavy engagement, like passion showing up. Yeah. Okay. They're engaged. They're getting into it or whatever. I didn't necessarily enjoy it, but I it became so normalized that when it happened in my own relationships, as a dating, whatever, especially I think my first marriage, it was like, oh, this is normal behavior. And now that I'm in a relationship that is so 180 from that, mm-hmm. it's almost like I'm like, well, where's the chaos? Like I'm looking for it. Mm. There's some psychologists that say estrangement is worse than bickering. Maybe it's that it's the adrenaline. Mm. You said kids feel the adrenaline from just observing. Well, that's true. It's like I'm looking for more adrenaline in the wrong place because Mm. I normalized it for so long. That study in there that I talked about, that Gottman study where the, the children were exposed to the parental fighting levels and the higher that fighting level was there, the higher the the chemical change in the urine of the child. That's so weird. He has over the 45 years done a lot of research on infectious diseases and resistance to infectious diseases or susceptibility. That's tied to it, the hormone levels. If you think about their research, it does make sense. Mm. So I've heard that you want to fight in front of your kids in a way to show that relationships aren't always without conflict. But how do you do it in a more constructive way not bickering, but having a fight and show them how to resolve something. Yeah. Um, No, I think the answer might be in that constructive word. There's a difference between constructive and bickering because the things that I have and do bicker about, I would say are not helpful to anyone. It still takes five minutes to get to the restaurant, whether you go on Elm Street or Maple Street. (laughs) It is unnecessary to express the point of view that one should happen, even though I did it this weekend. Is it constructive? No. So it failed the test. What does it construct? Better understanding, better meaning, better quality of life. And if it does that, then that might be the thing that the child could witness. That's in your strategies. That's your number three, right? Identify the relationship goal. Mm Mm-hmm. And for me, the on-ramp, the on the way to the restaurant is really just about 
because I want you to do it my way. There's, I have no other reason for doing it just because I like doing it that way. And I feel like it's faster mm-hmm. by five seconds of my life. Yeah, right. It's, like, it's not constructive to me because I just get annoyed for nothing. And it's not constructive to him because I'm annoying him over nothing. <laughs> Instead of speaking, you could replace it with a thought that is counter to what you would have said. So you would say no, driving to the restaurant on Elm Street instead of Oak Street doesn't affect my life. But you would think that and say that to yourself. Oh, not out loud. You're going to, yeah. <laughs> I can totally picture myself saying that out loud. I'm Being in the right lane at the red light, which is not carpool, is not that big a deal <laughs> to say it out loud in the car. <laughs> so I think getting back to the kids witnessing mm-hmm. what I call secondhand smoke, I'm not trying to make a big thing about smoking the pros and cons of that, but just to say that we know that secondhand smoke has an effect for the other recipients of it. And that's how I think of children receiving these messages as the smokers, as the bickerers say it doesn't affect them, but I don't think that's defensible. And so I guess the simple answer to that, Taylor, would be, does it do anything? And if it's just smoky, then that would be the behavior not to do in front of the children. And I am not your model, (laughs) unfortunately. I mean, I regret that, actually. Why do you think you guys did that so much or engaged in that way so much? I know lack of sleep, I'm sure, was a big factor. Yeah. So I've already learned. I don't have kids, so maybe I shouldn't have them anyway. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. This is not a birth control uh, episode. (laughs) The answer today might be different from when. I think it was at a time period where that was more common, and that would be when we we're more resource stressed, whether that was time, money, patience. Um, there's more of them than the two of us hmm. outnumbered, go from man to man coverage to zone defense. <laughs> yeah. And so you have, you have a different set of problems. Probably if we were going to be honest about this, feeling there was a better opinion or wanted to be right. And I would say also, we both, my friend and I, engage in competitive style, (laughs) reciprocal competitive style behavior. So then the game's on. If I wanted to control the conversation and you want to, we've got a game. The problem is there's no points that are earned. Yeah, that competitive thing. I link up with that. I feel it in me when I'm like, yes, go on. This is the better thing to do. I got it right. Yeah. Do you just want to be intelligent to that person? Do you just want to appear smarter? Oh, yeah. Or And I don't want to admit that like, yeah, I just want to be smarter than you. I don't feel that when it's happening, but it's more like I want to be right. Mm-hmm. And that is the thing that I have to kind of check that little voice. I'm going to probably say it out loud. It's okay to be at the red light and we could be in the carpool lane. <laughs> It doesn't bother me. I'm willing to give up these five seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this level of inefficiency isn't that bad. <laughs> that made me think of a little story where one time my mom made my brother a bowl of soup. He was like six and he complained. So not bickering, right? But it was like that parent child thing. Like, I don't like this. I want something else for dinner. So he got like a saltine crackers or something. And the next morning she heated up the soup for breakfast. He didn't want to eat it. So he got saltine crackers. And my understanding is he ate it for lunch the next day. And like a year later, he had a sleepover. And a friend said when given my mom's dinner that he didn't like something. And my brother said to him, she'll make you eat it for breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I don't have kids yet, but I'm imagining little tricks will keep them from bickering. (laughs) So what else? What's funny is I don't think that Ralph and I bicker very much, but we'll have a friend and he comes over a lot. And 
whenever we're discussing something, all of a sudden he'll just say, girls, girls, you're both pretty. And I'll kind of pause and and think, okay, I get that you're joking, but you're drawing attention to something. And I'm completely unaware of it. I'm thinking we're just discussing something. Maybe we have a different opinion. But in his view, I'm guessing it must sound like bickering. So then is it bickering if I perceive it to be? Not meant it to be? Hmm. Well, doesn't it depend on the relationship, though? I mean, that almost goes back to intention. Who's observing it? Are you in the relationship to know if that's bickering or not? Yeah. Because we can have banter. I feel like, Taylor, you and I can tease each other all day. And Oh, totally. Yeah. And maybe somebody would listen to that and be like, geez, those people are not good friends. But, like, I think you're funny. Maybe that's it. Because I, I don't – I even asked Ralph. I don't think we would call it bickering. But to the outsider – so what would you call it? I call it a discussion. I think we're just talking about something and don't happen to agree on it. It is interesting though, right? Being an observer relationship because I have observed relationship where I feel like almost tense. Like I shouldn't be in the room. If they're mm. at kind of bickering at each other. That feeling mm-hmm. of like, mm-hmm, I want to slide out of this one. Mm-hmm. And then two seconds later, they're cracking up and I'm thinking, oh, you kind of have to get to know that person's relationship. And if you're comfortable enough, ask them. Mm-hmm. That's a weird comment, though, for somebody to say, you're both pretty. Girls, girls, you're both pretty. Mm. Yeah, or that's they're indicating their lack of tolerance for healthy debate. Because mm. if you're saying it's healthy, perhaps their social history is that there has been a lot of negativity around any kind of debate. Mm. And that it may be turned into bickering or some other very aggressive speech or something like that. It's almost like stop before you get into it. Mm. It's a little trigger for them. Hypersensitivity to it. Mm. I actually have an interesting moment that just happened. We're at Target and I wanted to get some useless item, of course, because it's Target. Target, Targeterie, (laughs) you know, something that smelled good or something stupid. I'm like, I want to get this. And there was a correction of me in the store. I doubt even anyone was in earshot, but the thought that somebody could have heard that on me Mm. in public was like, (gasps) and it was quickly resolved, thankfully, but I like froze. Don't correct me like that in public. Like you could play it off. You could tell me we don't need it, but that's too much for me. It's actually, that's something that I wrote down. Yeah. One psychologist that I read said that's her litmus test for whether it's probably something that shouldn't have been said. Mm. Probably no one else heard it. Yeah. But if you thought they did, she tells her clients that's a warning sign. Oh my God, that's amazing. I really like that because I, in some experiences in my own life, seeing relationships with high levels, or like you said, um, prolonged habitual levels of bickering. Yeah. But outside of that relationship, didn't really see it. Mm-hmm. And it was so bizarre to me. Like, how can you be like that with just this one individual, but outside, it's like almost impossible to see that it exists in you. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that was the public thing for me was like, need to weed out that normalization that like I could be okay with it alone and ho- at home, but not in public. I like, so I'll use that. Mm. Well, I was thinking too, related to the child, that's another way to test it, to say what I expose my child to, I should think anyone could hear and be comfortable with that, mm. as opposed to what likely happens, which is the child would be hearing things that might be unattractive or, or other people might judge as ineffective. Yeah. So what are we going to do with all this? Before we go for our challenges, can we just kind of do a a good once over of the three strategies? One, listen to yourself, to your tone, right? Two, Mm -hmm. 
cut your cross complaints in half, mm-hmm. which to me really connects with being defensive. Mm-hmm. Cause if you notice if you're being defensive in yourself and you've reflected on that last podcast and yourself, mm-hmm. you'll be able to do that. Uh, number three, determine your communication goals, right? So identify the relationship goal and to be able to d- determine how you're going to do that. Right. So if it's just my way or the highway, is that really a positive goal for the relationship? Mm-hmm. No. Taylor, you have any advice? Ralph and I don't think bicker very often, but I notice with some friends, it comes back to my always trying to find the truth. I don't know what to do. We'll challenge each other on, let's say, a game rule or something. And I know the rule. After about five minutes of kind of going back and forth, I come down to number three and I realize like the point of this is to have fun. So I just kind Mm -hmm. of let it slide. But in me, I feel like I've now lied because I let you believe a lie. So I catch myself in this a little bit with certain friendships where I feel like I just lied to you because I let you believe a lie. But ultimately, I just want to have fun right now. So I'm just going to let it go. I think I can follow through with three. I don't super understand number one on how to warm up my speech. I don't think I'm very warm in tone. I would agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I love you very much. I think I'm to the point. <laughs> I love you. I think I'm to the point. I think I say what I think. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know really how to warm it up. I need more help. I don't know, Taylor. I've I don't feel that you're cold. And I, I've said this about Taylor before, where I feel like when people first meet her, they think she's the sweetest person because she really <laughs> is so kind. No. And I'm always like, no, <laughs> then you don't really know her. She but does. I don't think that when you talk to me, you've, you've, you know, challenged me sometimes in my life and I maybe didn't like it, but I never thought it was you being a, just a jerk or your family motto. What is it, Taylor? Don't be a dick. That's her family motto. Do you know that she has that framed in her child's room? <laughs> uh, you have it framed? Yeah, it's on like one of those message boards. Oh, I knew the the phrase. I had no idea that it was memorialized. Oh, no, it's up. Okay. I think that's because you know I love you, though. Everything comes from a point of love. I can Now I feel like I understand it a little more because I just take it back to the plane. And I know exactly, I say, put your bag under the seat. <laughs> or I say like, oh, I know you're just, you know, wanted to find that piece of gum, but would you mind? We're just about to take, you know, I, I know how to do it there. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I can try to incorporate, but it feels fake to me, but I'll. Some people need it. Some people don't. Yeah. yeah. I think we're interesting three women here. I don't think we need it with each other, but we know how to do it. You can tell on a person's face Yeah. if you need to soften that blow a little bit more. You know, some people, I can think of some people in my life I could say something to directly and know that I don't need to preface or cuddle them while I'm at it. I care about them and I'm going to say it respectfully, of course. And then there's other people where I have to probably read the conversation in my head all five times to make sure I'm being very sensitive with everything that comes out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot more energy, but you know, if you want to be in that relationship, you have to put the energy in, I think. So that was one, listening to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the second one, cut cross complaints in half. That'll be my TC4G. I say cut in half because being a teacher of communication behavior, it's unrealistic to say stop everything. Yeah. <laughs> Never say um again. Yeah. Never whatever it is, fill in the blank. And so I usually say to people, if they're trying to re- reduce a behavior, cut it by half and replace it with something else. My thought on this episode is cut down the bickering, entertain the idea that there might be additional right ways to do something or good enough ways. (laughs) I like that a lot. 
And instead of speaking, put it my mind in gear saying, this is also good enough, this yeah. route to the restaurant mm -hmm. or whatever petty clattering thing I was thinking of saying. So your TC4G is number two. I'm going to take number one. Mayor, what are you doing? You don't want to give us a little bit more about that? Me? Yeah. What are you going to do? What are you, how are you going to practice that this week? Oh, no. Oh, Was I just direct with you? See. You didn't like it? <laughs> no, just making me like think. Okay. Well, I'm really going to try your good enough. I, I do appreciate that. There's some things I kind of call, like pick battles. So some things I've just given up asking for. I'm like, oh, I can do that because it's not that big a deal. Um, so... And I'm going to ask my partner if he really minds when I ask him to do something a certain way, if he sees it my way or if he just finds it kind of petty and controlling. That's so brave. Well, I, I think he's similar minded because he does that with me. He'll challenge me and say like, hey, could you do it this way? Because, and so sometimes I have a hard time receiving it, but I hear what he's saying. What about you, Mayor? Well, we're each taking one this week. I'm going with number three, which is determining my goal when I'm about to bicker. <laughs> In identifying the relationship goal, it for me, it's I go two ways mm -hmm. on that. Do I want to be smart to my partner? I, that's something that's important to me. Or I want to sometimes I just freaking want things to go my way because I want it to go my way. Yeah. And I probably will audibly talk to myself in the car. That's my I know that's my spot right there. To be like, it's fine that we're in the far right lane and the carpool lane is open. <laughs> I'm gonna say that, and and it'll make me laugh. Which I know we have. He and I have the relationship where that that'll that will be funny. If he listens to the podcast, he'll even know the origin of it. Right? I know. I only tie him down once a week. It's no big deal. <laughs> hey, hey, we don't want to know about that. Oh god. <laughs> I'm sorry, mom. Um. So, <laughs> goodness. You totally derailed my train of thought <laughs> completely gone. Okay. That, that was one half. The other half with identifying a relationship goal is to accept the quiet for what it is and let it be something that's good and not to look for ways to... Like searching for your adrenaline that you were talking about? Yes. Yeah, exactly. If I want to get more comfortable with this, the quiet, with the peace, with the ease of talking about something that's difficult without feeling the rush of that adrenaline I felt so many times before. Can I find a new high? Yeah. Yeah. Between the three of us, I think we've got all of these areas covered. Well, here are some concluding thoughts. Today, we've identified bickering as a form of useless communication that focuses on what's unimportant in life. We've talked about the concept of using the good enough test to determine if we should offer our suggestions to others. And we've reviewed some dangers of negative communication on those who are observers of our behavior, especially our bickering. Thank you for joining our podcast today. And please remember to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. And as always, thank you for listening to Asking for a Friend. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Our email is hello at afafpodcast.com. This show is for educational purposes only and is copyrighted. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting. Thanks for listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Talk.